The Squiz is a free weekday email and podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Our podcast is brought to you by ComBank, committed to being a better bank. Find out more at combank.com.au forward slash better. Good morning, I'm Claire Kimball. And I'm Kate Watson. It's Friday the 29th of March. In your squeeze today, Pauline Hanson and preferences, a Brexit update, devastation in Mozambique and Friday lights. This is your squeeze today. Pauline Hanson has has doubled down and is blaming the media, particularly the, quote, Qatari Islamist government, for the scandal surrounding comments made by her colleagues and staff in relation to our gun laws, and also comments she has made herself which appear to suggest she is sympathetic to those who believe the Port Arthur massacre could be a conspiracy. She says it's all been taken out of context, but the ripple effect of all of this is that the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, has had to make a call, Claire, on how they preference One Nation. And what... Scott Morrison said yesterday is that the Liberal Party, when it comes to the seats that it's fighting in the upcoming election, will put One Nation under Labor. They haven't said that they would put One Nation last on those how to vote preference cards, and that's because they want to give the party organisation freedom to put One Nation ahead of the Greens. Of course, they consider the Greens also to be a significant threat to the Australian economy and the parliament and all of that. So there's a a bit of wriggle room there, but certainly they'll be um, under Labor when it comes to that recommendation. But this uh, this doesn't extend to the National Party? Doesn't extend to the Nationals and doesn't extend to the Liberal National Party in Queensland. So there's still a bit to right. shake out there. And, of course, the bet that Morrison is making is that um, – they could potentially lose more votes in the city um, than they would lose in the country by not acting. And anyone who watched that second episode of How to Sell a Massacre last night, there's a particularly chilling last five minutes or so where Hanson talks very directly about being able to win enough seats in the parliament to be able to change our gun laws. And doesn't matter really how she spun it in the press conference yesterday, it really is there unedited. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's quite chilling. So so it's definitely worth a look if um, if that's something of interest to you. Yesterday, Saeed Nouri was jailed for life for driving a car into pedestrians at Flinders Street in 2017, killing one man and injuring 16 other people, Claire. He needs to serve a minimum of 30 years in prison before being uh, eligible for parole. He told police after questioning that it was um, in response to a dream that he had where Allah had told him to carry out the attack and he used his mother's car for that and reports say that his mother collapsed in court yesterday. Um, In the ever-evolving Brexit saga, all of those eight motions we flagged yesterday, including options like leaving without a deal and having another referendum, were voted down. Where are we at now? Okay, so status still a mess. <laughs> um, but in looks like in the next um, so 24 hours or so, so it'll probably be Saturday our time, there's going to be a vote on the Brexit deal that Theresa May has negotiated with the European Union, but only the parts that directly relate to that negotiation, what they're leaving out of that is the whole government political sort of spin on exactly where that positions Britain and the UK when it comes to Europe and trade and all sorts of things. So 
I know that sounds very technical, but basically they're just getting down to the bits that were agreed with the EU uh, and that meets John Burko, who's the Speaker of the the House, that meets his ruling um, that the bill is a new one. So they've got over I was the, going to ask. Yeah, okay. so they've got over that hurdle. That, that's still been a thing. Um, it's understood that May's commitment to quit after the deal is agreed in the Parliament um, has probably got a few MPs in line to support it, but we'll know soon enough about whether whether it's spun enough across to that side. No room for ego for Theresa May, is there? Oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was reading the news about how India has sent a satellite into space and shot it back down again, and I was wondering whether that was somewhat counterproductive and was trying to wrap my head around it. Can you explain why it's actually all quite strategic? Well, and certainly when it comes to looking at being a superpower, um, the only people until yesterday who could do that was the US, Russia and China. So it puts India into a whole other realm of being a military power. Um, They, of course, have nuclear weapons as well and it's something that has sent a bit of a chill down the spine of of, um, military analysts that India now has that capacity. So, uh, yeah, pretty much it's part of the space race. When you think forward, apparently the next frontier is being able to shoot down your enemy's satellites uh, and that's certainly something that they've been testing for a while and now they can do it. Still looking up and Boeing has announced an overhaul to the software system and the pilot training of its 737 aircraft. Of note is that Boeing officials were careful not to concede that the upgrade meant earlier versions were in any way deficient. Claire, the death toll from a recent cyclone in southern Africa stands at 468 in Mozambique alone, but reports are saying we may never know the true number of those killed. There's a really good link in the email that if you're interested in this, um, it's a good one. It's a story about a guy called Stephen Fonseca and he's the head forensic analyst for the Red Cross in Africa and his story about exactly how he's going about the work of trying to get around rural Mozambique and um, look at the death toll and try and identify bodies is really quite staggering. He's the only um, forensically trained body recovery expert working in rural Mozambique at the moment, which is quite extraordinary when you think about the disaster that they've just been through. And it's certainly an incredible read. Friday Lights, loving the Vanity Fair clip with Bear Grylls. He takes a look at some of the most famous survival scenes in movies and analyses whether they're realistic or not. Yeah, it's a good one, isn't it? I really like Bear Grylls. Not that I sit down and watch like full episodes of Bear Grylls, but I do like dipping in and out of it from time to time. But yes, the video is really good. It's a lot of fun. The shock for me is that he reckons the final Rose and Jack scene in Titanic is pretty realistic. Yeah. Who yeah, knew? yeah. I, who knew, who would have thought? Exactly. I predict though that the article on Meghan Markle and how she's doing at the palace might be the most clicked out of the emails today, <laughs> though the muffin recipe might give it a run for its money, Claire. Yeah, look, if I was picking between Meghan Markle and a muffin, I'd probably go the muffin, I have to say, but that just shows my sort of carb um, <laughs> <laughs> inclination. So, but yeah, both are, are good and certainly that recipe is a really good weekend one. 
A quick message now from our podcast sponsor, Commonwealth Bank. You may have noticed this podcast is a little, little longer than usual. That's because yesterday I interviewed Holly Ransom, who is the CEO of Emergent Solutions, a consultancy that looks at how the workforce embraces change by engaging the next generation of leaders. We have a five-minute chat about what can be done to get more young girls interested in studying and pursuing careers in STEM, that's science, technology, engineering, and maths. Stay listening at the end of the Squeeze Today podcast to hear the full interview. What's the subject line? The subject line today is Only Fools Rush In from the Elvis song. Of course, that's uh, in relation. It's a beautiful song, but in relation to a pretty ugly political brawl this week. So, of course, um, Pauline Hanson called Scott Morrison a fool for preferencing One Nation under Labor and um, no doubt her supporters are thinking he's rushed to that decision. So, yeah, I had a bit of Elvis streaming through my head for most of yesterday. That's a nice relaxing song, though, to head it's into a lovely, the weekend. It is a lovely song. Quickly before we wrap up, a huge thank you to Squeeze listeners um, and those who voted. We've been named as a finalist in the popular vote category in the Australian Podcast Awards. Woohoo! We're in some good company, some of our favourites in there, including Chat 10 and the Shameless podcast. So, Yeah, wow. How amazing to be listed with them. It's just incredible and thank you so much, everyone. We know registering and voting was a bit of a punish, but we appreciate it. So appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, that is another week of news done. Have a great weekend, everyone, and we'll chat to you on Monday. The Squeeze is a free weekday email and podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Sign up at thesqueeze.com.au. Holly, it's good to grab you today. Based on your LinkedIn and Instagram, you aren't in one place long. Uh, I am actually in Sydney today en route to Adelaide. So we've caught each other while I'm in limbo. Your work uh, is with your company, Emergent Solutions. Uh, One of its main focus areas is on how the workforce embraces change by engaging the next generation of leaders. We're going to have a chat now about how we can better encourage young women to be engaged in STEM, that's science, technology, engineering and maths. Let's start really simple. What are some examples of the job opportunities available to those who study STEM? Oh, the exciting thing is that this is being created every day. You know, I was having this conversation with a senior executive this week who was saying to me that they'd looked at the the top 10 uh, jobs in uh, their industry this year and they said, honestly, I did not recognise a single one of them. Um, We had everything from AI ethicists through to, you know, all sorts of programmers and developers. You've got people that are, are working on the policy side of technology. You've got people that are actually in the mechanics of the engineering and coding. Um, and all multitude of everything in between. Holly, research from the Australian Office of the Chief Scientist says that women currently make up only 16% of STEM roles. It seems we, we have some work to do in encouraging women into these jobs. We absolutely do. And this is something, Kate, that I worry about a lot when it comes to the future of gender equality, because when we look at the data around, it's not even um, the rate of studying STEM, it's also concerning for me, the rates of girls that we've got studying advanced level maths in our high schools and studying science, be it chemistry or physics, you name it. And then obviously the way that flows through into university and, and job pursuits beyond it. We absolutely need to be thinking about how we encourage more girls into these opportunities because what we have seen from the Foundation for Young Australians Research is the expectation of the disruption, you know, robots coming in and changing and altering what jobs are available for for humans and the knowledge economy kind of uh, further advancing. They're predicting 75% of jobs are going to require STEM skills. 
So we've got to find a way to make sure that those jobs of the future have as many women in them as men and that certainly women are positioned to advance up those career ladders as well. I'm a terrible example. I dropped maths in year 10. (laughs) Could we get you to pick it up now? It doesn't matter if you didn't do it because we're going to have to get our whole workforce across this. Yeah, I'm getting there. (laughs) Uh, To Colmore's Bank now, they're doing a lot of work to engage more young people, particularly girls, to take up STEM subjects. How are they doing this and how can other businesses learn from what they're doing? Well, look, I had the privilege of hosting um, CBA's Wide for Wonder event last year, and and it's a phenomenal program where they literally devoted a whole day of uh, the conference just to school students. And one of my favourite parts about it was interacting with these young women who just had their minds blown, particularly by the incredible women on stage who are AI filmmakers, who were, you know, pioneering all sorts of innovative businesses, who were coding and thinking about the application of what that means for the world and how we can use it to solve social problems. It gets to the heart of that whole idea um, that we've thrown around in uh, gender equality for some time now in particular, that, you know, if if she can see it, she can be it. Well, one of my questions to you was, who are the women that you know who work in STEM that the next generation can look up to? Oh, gosh, so many. I love Karen Palmer, a, um, a, a neurofilmmaker, pioneering this incredible uh, technology where you literally put on a headset and AI watches you watch the film and depending on how you respond emotionally in those instants, the narrative of the story takes completely different arcs. If you've responded in fear or excitement or calm or whatever, it's just extraordinary the way that they're looking at um, different applications. So I think a lot of people listening to this will be thinking that they might want to encourage their children or their students into STEM. What's your advice? Great question. The biggest thing for me is how do you, uh, and this is a view I take on on uh, getting young people involved in the community as well, how do you create the best possible first experience? So for me, you, you've got to find a way to expose them to it. They've got to have an experience. So be it taking them to a really cool tech event that's in your community, um, be it finding an amazing TED Talk with this mind-blowing um, scientist or um, coder or technologist that's doing something just at at the edge of the earth as far as we're concerned. I think you've got to find a way to have some kind of interaction. And I think the more experiential, the better. Yeah, it makes a lot more sense once you see it in action. Uh, It becomes real. And I think that's one of the difficult things about this topic area for all of us right now is a lot of the technology conversation is so intangible. So many big words. So many big words. So scary, a lot of it. And it's very hard to see yourself in it because you don't even necessarily understand the language that people are using to talk about it. So the more that you can make it real, um, the more that I think people can start to see their ability to make play a role or make a contribution to it. Holly, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks also to those listening. This interview is presented by Commonwealth Bank. For more on what ComBank is doing in this area and other initiatives, head to combank.com.au forward slash better. We talk a lot about cybercrime and hacking because almost every day there seems to be some breaking news about another big data breach. But NordVPN can help protect you online, kind of like a cyber bodyguard. It protects your personal and sensitive data while you're online to stop it from falling into the wrong hands. That way, you don't have to worry about keeping your identity and private data safe every time you log on. And even if you make a mistake and click on a dodgy link or open a suspicious email, NordVPN's threat protection will kick in and delete it before it makes a mess of your computer. To find out more, and get a great discount, visit nordvpn.com forward slash squiz today.